This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Kent by Big Ass Truck. I can't wait to hear your review. <laughs> this is the first I think I've ever listened to what I thought. Thank God they're playing ska. No, you're wrong. You're totally wrong. Don't you think that this sounds an awful lot like Spin Doctors? Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me as always, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, we are back. It's episode 108, and it's my pick this week. We are alternating picks. You had the last one with Kent and their album Isola. Now I'm back. My second pick of the year. And Jay, this one is a... I like to call this one a deep cut. Because... <laughs> that's way put it. That's, uh, this is going to be unfamiliar to a lot of people, this band. But this one goes back to the college radio days that uh, we've mentioned often uh, at Bowling Green State University working for WFAL. Uh, this was a band that became a station favorite of a number of people. Championed, and we spun their debut record, and then we spun their sophomore record. And we're going to be reviewing their sophomore record. And the band I am speaking of is Big Ass Truck. And we are going to review their sophomore album, number two, Kent. Now, that's funny because we just reviewed a band that you liked named Kent. See how that works? See the synergy that we got going there? It's confusing. It is confusing. So were you familiar with Big Ass Truck from our WFAL days, or did you ignore them? I ignored them. But you can ignore them no longer because we're going to review them on this episode. I know. I know. Oh, I can't can't wait to hear your review because I just, I have have anticipation for what the... (laughs) words that are going to come out of your mouth when we review this band so we should we should get into uh before we get into the review we should get into our patented not really history of the band history of the band so big ass truck formed in the 1990s early 1990s i don't have an exact date month year anything like that do you want to guess where they're from jay hmm Oh, geez. That's a good question. I'm going to say they're from some somewhere where I'm sure they're all well-educated. So either the Nor- uh, New England area or somewhere in California. You'd be wrong. Think about the style of music that they're playing. Yeah. How about Memphis, Tennessee? Oh, God. Okay. So they were, they were formed in the early 90s in Memphis, Tennessee by... Robbie Grant on vocals and guitar, Steve Selvage on guitar and vocals, uh, Joe Boone on bass, Robert Barnett on drums, Colin Butler, this is the first time I've ever said this on the show, On he was the DJ in the band, and they had five other members in the band uh, in and out on various instruments like keyboards and horns and whatnot. That was the core of the Big Ass Truck lineup. Their first album, just called Big Ass Truck, came out in October of 1995 on Upstart Records. The album that we're reviewing, Kent, their second album, came out in February of 1996, also on Upstart Records. So that was pretty quick. October 95, February 96, two albums. Third album, Sack Lunch, came out in 1997 on Yep Rock. 
their fourth album, Who Let You In Here, released in 1998 on Peabody Records. Their fifth and final album, The Rug, was released in July of 2001 on Terminus. The band members uh, then left and split to go their own ways. They've played with a variety of different bands, including the Grifters, The Hold Steady, and Those Bastard Souls. And Robbie Grant is now playing in the band called Vending Machine, and in July of 2002 announced that there is possibly a big-ass truck reunion on the horizon. So that is all for the history of Big Ass Truck. Now I picked this particular one, but if you want to pick an episode for uh, an ep- or pick an album uh, for us to review on an episode, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com and our request review page, and you can learn about how to request a review for us to do. So Jay, uh, we did not get any Facebook feedback on this particular episode. I think hmm. people's minds were blown. Seems to be a trend with the albums that you pick. Yes, I know. Pusher Man didn't get any, but it did It did bring up some discussions afterwards, and that's what we're all about, discussions. This one also, it blew, it blew people's minds. They didn't know what oh, to, yeah. to make of, of Big Ass Truck on Viva Variety performing uh, Little Tico. So, and I, I understand that's, you know, mind-blowing stuff. We are only left with your words to carry us on Big Ass Truck. Was this a big ass good time or a pain in the ass? All right. Um, <laughs> what are you What are you doing with to me with this record? I, what I'm do you gonna mean throw by that? At you. Okay. I, I want to know. Listen to this record, and I'm especially. My mind is especially blown hearing that other people at FAL thought this was something worthwhile. Um, how? In what way? Is this any better than any bar funk band that you would come across to if you walked, you know, to your favorite watering hole tonight and they had a band plan? Uh, there's probably a, a 50-50 shot. They're going to sound quite a bit like this. You're going to get a bunch of well-educated white guys who took tons of lessons on their instruments who decided to apply that by playing really generic-sounding funk music. Explain to me how this is elevated above that. Well, Why, first of all, I think what, you're what wrong. Or did this band getting a getting a record contract and a following? Well, okay, there's a couple of different things that have to be taken into account. First of all, I like funk music. I'm a big Parliament and Funkadelic fan. I have all their albums. I've listened to all the albums of Parliament and Funkadelic, and I like sev- late '60s and '70s funk, whether it's like Rare Earth or the Average White Band. Those sorts of bands, those that all works for me, and I think that this band is drawing from that. You know, track two, theme from, which is basically the first track on the song, first track on the album. It starts out like a combination of Papa Was a Rolling Stone and Shaft. Like it's got that great hi hat part, and there's a, a guitar line that's straight out of a Temptation song, and then they, yeah, it's it goes into a funk song, and. It's fun. Like this, the, the thing that oh, is, the, no. the thing that is great about this is you can put this. We talk about you can put this on at a party and put it as background music. This isn't oh. background music. This is party music. Everybody would leave if it was a party of like no. lawyers wearing khakis. No, you're wrong. You're totally wrong. This is see. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't come off to me as like being authentic funk. It, to me, it sounds. But these like... guys are from Memphis. These guys grew up. And they talk about how... This sounds like guys who, like, you know, 
I don't know, went to took, you know, guitar lessons until they were 22 and then decided to form a band and this is what they formed. It doesn't sound like authentic, like gritty. Like well, the vision it's... I kept appearing in my head was like more of like uh, you know, I was lumping them in with they were sort of like this hippie hippie funk kind of movement that happened in the 90s with like the spin doctors and even like I could I think you e- could e- say like the uh you know, the early Dave Matthews kind of vibe. There was like a some bands around that were in that that vein and that's what i kept thinking of when i thought of this like sort of granola like well-educated like white kids yeah you're wrong you're just wrong it's the funk this, thinking this they're is, playing funk but it's really just i don't know no this this is a band and I, i've read interviews with them around the time that this album came out they basically were like, we want to work with the Dust Brothers on the next record because we're big fans of Paul's Boutique and we're big fans of Beck. And when you realize those influences, when they're using the samples in the songs at, at certain points, along those, along that like hip-hop, I don't know what you call Beck exactly, he's not hip-hop, but he's some sort of amalgamation of hip-hop and folk. Along those lines, their biggest influence was Booker T and the MGs. I mean, this this is a born and bred southern true funk band like these are this this is the the stacks guys all those not all of them but a lot of those stacks guys those were white guys you don't i mean i don't think it becomes a race thing where it's like you're expecting because it's a funk band they all have to be bootsy collins but i mean like i don't know like kind of more of a inauthentic like i've studied i I haven't lived it i don't feel it but i've the book on it and my Music teachers taught me how to play it, kind of thing. Yeah, and if the, if this if they had been from the University of Massachusetts, I would say that that's you might have an argument for that. But I'm telling you, th- these guys were from where where you would expect them to be from by make in making this music, which is Tennessee and which is Memphis. And if it had been, you know, Atlanta or you know New Orleans or something like that, it would have made just as much sense. The thing that makes this album so interesting is the combination of taking old school up-tempo dance and funk of like i mentioned like rare earth or average white band or booker t and the mgs and sly and the family stone taking those influences and then combining them with late 80s early 90s influences of the beastie boys and and beck and creating something pretty unique i mean there's not a band you know and i know there's not a lot of bands that sound like this. They're taking, yeah, you might have bands that are doing, they're not, you know, no, no, listen to, you might have bands that are doing some funk, but yeah. the production element that they bring with the samples, like funk bands tend to be, this, they stick to funk and they don't get into the hip hop realm of adding samples and loops and stuff like that. There are elements that incorporate stuff like public enemy style bomb squad samples. Like on Little Tico, at the end of each chorus, there's this descending keyboard part, which is a sample, and it sounds like it's off of a Public Enemy song. Just to let him know he's still alive You see the pain and I try to break it 
that's the stuff that I'm talking about. They're, I guess. they're a, yeah, I feel like I've heard that in other like funk songs before. Well, because probably because the Bomb Squad sampled it and put it into a Public <laughs> Enemy song. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on, on the uh, on the turntable sampling stuff. Part there's some songs on the record where you're like, okay, this it serves no purpose on the song. It doesn't really need to be here. There are some other songs where it starts to become integral to the rhythm, which frankly is more interesting. I think the thing that 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 really kills it for me is that you know if you're gonna do the funk thing which i'm not opposed to it if it's done well and some of the bands you're citing like booker t and parliament they don't necessarily do this they they focus a lot on the bass and the drums and the you know synth and other kinds of like rhythm instruments to create this really rich low end this band the thing that I don't like is that they do the stereotypical funk thing on the guitar and the drums all the time. So you've got the wow, 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 on the guitar all the time. And then you've got the slappy drum all the time. Like pick one or the other. So like if you're going to play the, the stereotypical funk drum beat, that kind of drum beat, don't do the wah-wah guitar over it. Like come either like don't play guitar or like use some kind of chord thing or focus more on like creating a rhythm around that and a bass line and like don't give me the wah-wah guitar part or if you're going to do the wah-wah guitar part then play more of a an old like you know if you listen to the old soul stuff it's more of a form the floor kind of drum beat it's pretty straightforward it's more about the backbeat than it is about like a, a slappy snare drum like, so if you're going to do the wah-wah guitar thing, okay, fine, but don't give me the slappy snare too because then all I'm getting is like, I'm not getting any of the backbeat. I'm getting all, you know, accents. Everything's like, you know, on the top and an accent. To me, that's like, it's a difference between like authentic funk, which has got like a really kind of loose feel to it, kind of a loose, dirty feel to like this stuff, which like, I don't know. I just imagine like white guys with their butts puckered, like, and their cheeks sucked in, like dancing foolishly. Like it doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't come across um, authentic for for a lot of it. I, I think there's a couple. Actually, my some of my favorite stuff on here. The stuff I, I like the most was uh, like there's a song where um, there, actually there's two songs there where it's just mostly just p- electric piano. And a bass line. And a Are you talking about and Thermopolis and then Return to Thermopolis? Yeah. Those Where sound like just... satchel songs to me. If you think about it, uh, when the when the guitar comes in, it's like a long, sustained guitar. And it has it plays some notes. And then they kind of start noodling around. But that sounds like it could be those two songs. And then um, Five O'Clock Shadow, which mm-hmm. has some vocal samples. But if you take those out, those, those that sounds like it could be on the first Brad record. Because there's some weird, weird stuff that's on the Brad record, the first one. Yeah, they sound like, uh, you know, sort of a little bit like, you know, just kind of uh, mood music, mm-hmm. jazzy atmosphere kind of things.
I'm more interested, I guess, if they would explore that part of the band and, and just get rid of the wah-wah guitar. Now, the guitar, like, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, with, with that kind of playing, you know, the tone is kind of grating and awful. The guitar tones on this are actually pretty cool, um, especially for, for Strat. You know, they, they're pretty rich. And he does, to be fair, um, you know, leave that territory sometimes and actually play some some pretty rocking chords. And there's some times when uh, he even syncs up with the, um, the, the keyboard will switch to like a clavinet sound. Mm-hmm. and play some bass notes and sort of double up with the guitar, which it actually gets a little bit gritty and, and dirty sounding. I, I like that from a sound standpoint. There is a song called, I think it's Court, Court Street or Court St. Parakeet Key or Court, Court Street Court Parakeet. Street parakeet. Yeah. It's Court ST Parakeet. It's, it's street. In the, in the verses, vocally, and even with some of the music around it, there's moments where it almost sounds like Leonard Skinner, so it has like a southern rocky kind of delivery to it. Oh yeah. And that made me think like, oh wow, that would be a really interesting place to be for these guys to be exploring more in, you know, sort of a, a gritty southern rock mixed with, you know, a funk rhythm uh kind of underbelly. To me that would be a thousand times more interesting than a, where they tend to be most comfortable, which is I think fairly obvious. What do you think of the song? Um, I think it's Roadkill. Uh, it's kind of an oddball because it's loud. It almost sounds like like a when the when the butthole surfers or Flaming Lips would do like a fast loud song. Mm. Um, it has that kind of feel to it. It's, I'm not going to claim by any means that this whole album is consistent or worth listening to. I think that there's. I think it starts out for me the first. Get rid of, getting rid of track one, which is just sort of a, you know, intro track. Tracks two through six, I think are I make a really great start, and then it has like this odd detour into 
a ska song, Heavy Petting Zoo. But I actually like uh, Dog Chases an Iguana Up a Tree and Barks at It All Night. It's basically just a jam, but it's got a, a sample of Bill Withers' Ain't No Sunshine built into it, which I like. Zoo has some moments in those verses where they go to the Scott thing. It kind of reminded me of uh, Joe Jackson a little bit, which is another area I'd, I think I'd rather see them dabbling in than in the funk area. <laughs> this is the first record I think I've ever listened to. What I thought, thank God they're playing ska or they're playing <laughs> reggae. And they switched to that part. I'm like, whoo, oh, we're into reggae. This feels better. I don't know. I just, when I hear like the, I don't know how you can't listen to like sweetness and hear that intro, like that, like James Brown sample intro and those drums. And then I don't know. It's just such a fun song with those big sweetness. Uh, the, I got sweetness, uh, chorus and I don't know that and just sick. And I think actually is a really cool thing in just sick where they start panning the music back and forth during the bridge but not the vocals so the vocals stay center and when you're in your headphones you hear the music bouncing faster and faster back and forth and then it just snaps back into um the regular stereo field i don't know like stuff that they do like that just stick it's like fun. seriously i'm just sampling that and i'm imagining that we're listening to that song uh, outside of that part you're talking about the production technique but just that song I'm imagining us walking around the the the, um, the jazz and rib fest looking for Pigfoot. Like that's, that's okay with me. You hear in the background. That's all right with me. <laughs> See, but Jay, I have a much. I, I, here's the thing: like, I've been for as long as I've been listening to, you know, rock and metal and stuff like that. I've always been interested in jazz, not jazz, because uh, you brought up jazz fest funk and r&b and soul i mean i was listening to you know stevie wonder and marvin gay as early as, as i was listening to like def leppard and and uh bon jovi back in the 80s so it's not that i don't know if it's maybe i just have a a, tum, a greater tolerance than you like i 
I don't know that. I would say that's fair. I, I would okay. also say this is not James Brown or Marvin Gaye or. No, and I'm not saying <laughs> that that it is. It's clearly, like I said, they're clearly taking those influences, but then filtering them through these '90s or late '80s and early '90s influences of of hip hop and and uh, you know certain production techniques of of Dust Brothers and the Beck albums. So. Does- didn't you? Th- but didn't you? Don't you think that this sounds an awful lot like Spin Doctors? No, I don't see any connection to Spin Doctors whatsoever. The only thing that you could really say, which I would dislike, is that there's a similarity to like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But even they, in the same interview where they talked about wanting to work with the Dust Brothers, they were like, like back in '96, they were getting comparisons to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they were like, "We don't like the Chili Peppers." Like, they were very adamant about the fact that. They're not doing some like West Coast hip hop funk thing. Like they they really saw them saw themselves as doing like a very traditional sort of Southern rock with funk influence, you know, style of music. Uh, and I don't know, it didn't come across that authentic to me. But I mean, there's definitely um, there's a slight bit of edge and grit here. Uh, so mostly to me, it has to do with the vocal delivery. Like I don't think. Any of the vocals are, you know, any of these, any of the people singing. I don't know if it's one guy or a couple guys, but they're not like, you know, super confident vocally. So they, you know, they're kind of gritty and pretty earnest and straightforward with what they're trying to do. And then, you know, it's a little bit of sense of humor. I think that helps give it a little bit of edge. You know, if you were to put over, yeah, a really like well-trained studio singer over top of this, it would be, I, I could make it through the record. I don't know. I'm, no, I'm it would be like, so. Here's we talk. Uh, like one of their top five songs is "What Time Is It," which I've never even heard. I've never it, heard that. It sounds exactly the same. It doesn't sound that different in this band. You add the DJ part to it, and it, it doesn't sound that different. But I don't know. Maybe you you have obviously have a way more uh, sophisticated palette when it comes to funk than I do. Yeah, I guess I do. I I guess <laughs> I didn't. When uh, I look this band to. up on. Uh, on uh, Spotify to see who they're related to. I will hand it to you because they do not list any bands that I have ever heard of before. Uh, I'll just read off some of the names here. Ed Malley, Mike J. Sanders, Foxtrot Zulu, Nate Wilson Group, Harry Apes BMX. <laughs> There's literally not one band in here. I've My not favorite heard though is uh, Hobosexual. <laughs> so there you go. If you're a big fan of Hobosexual, you may love this record. There you go. Have you sampled the the later records? Have you do you have those? You listen to those? I haven't been able to get my hands on them. I have the first record, the self titled one, and that's the one we came familiar with because I believe there's a song on that first one called Malt Liquor Man, and that was the single that we played. But that's where we got introduced to it at the radio station, and um, the album was championed by our music director and uh, various people at the station, and we played uh, the hell out of it, and that's where I. This I like this record better than the first one. The first one tends to I think is a little more, a little less song oriented, if that's possible. A little more jam. It is possible. Most of these songs are like just jams. That's no. I would say like theme from Little Tico, Sweetness, Just Sick, Court Street, Parakeet, Sparkle in Her Eye, Roadkill. They're all songs. I mean, yeah, there's some instrumental interludes thrown in it with Thermopolis and then Return to Thermopolis. And uh, Five Clock Shadow and Buttertooth Jenkins. Buttertooth Jenkins, by the way, 
should be the name of somebody's fantasy football team. Because <laughs> that's be a good. great... Uh, That'd be a good one. Yeah. The, uh, just sampling the, the 2004 record, The Rug, on Spotify, mm-hmm. it sounds like they uh, they toned down the guitar. It sounds like it's mostly drum, bass, keyboard driven, and the, the wobble guitar has been reined in. Which is uh, kind of where I'm. Well, maybe you're a fan of the rug and not, um, and then maybe, maybe that's your end of the big ass truck spectrum. I haven't Ooh. listened to it yet, so I'll, I'll be sure. So Jay, on the rating scale, were the album better EP decent single? Where are you at? With Boom Chicka Wawa, a single. I mean, I, I guess in a mix, if you threw one of these songs in here, I, I could get through, but I, I can't. I can't go to an EP. Well, I'm at an EP. I think there, I think half this record is really good. I mentioned which ones I thought were good. So basically the two through five or two through six and then uh, eight and 10. I, I like all that stuff. Throw that on an EP. I think you got a strong EP. Throw it in a mix. Throw it on at a party. Your party's going to be dancing. That's all I got to say. I don't know, man. <laughs> if, you're, if your party's for a bunch of lawyers. <sighs> I, I, I've been harsh. I know. I'm sorry. I, you're just I making all these assumptions and I keep telling you that you're wrong. That they're of, of records that we've both you know tripped over each other to uh, to compliment to praise so it's good to have something that was a little bit uh outside of one of our comfort zones i told you at this at the season two wrap-up i was going to be uh, digging into the wfal catalog and getting into a lot of the bands that were like station favorites and they go off into some uncharted territory and this is the first one we're going to go off on some future picks we might even get into a band that doesn't have a guitar well that's fine as long as it's not stereotypical boom chicka wawa i'm fine Mm. no no boom chicka wawa but there might be some what for a musical challenge chicka chicka boom uh i don't even know what that means yeah i'm gonna be challenging you jay i'm gonna bring the, I'm gonna throw the challenge flag, and you're gonna you're gonna see what happens. There you go, Jay. Uh, his taste is not very refined, so he did not like this record. I, however, have a much more uh, complete palate. And, uh, oh, please leave feedback and let us know which which uh, of us you agree with. Please take take a second out of your day and leave us some feedback. I'd love to see who who agrees with who. And on that note, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback at iTunes. Of course, if you want to comment on this particular episode, Facebook, Twitter, and digmeoutpodcast.com. For Jay, I am Tim, or Funk Commander, and uh, we will be back (laughs) next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Neil's not going to let you hear the end of the...